Thank you, Brother Mike. Thank you, choir. And thank all of you for taking part in our worship. Thank you, Miss Gina, for being at the piano. And so it's been a, a good worship time. If you brought your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want to share two verses with you. 1 Timothy chapter 1. As we think along the line this morning, as a sermon, we must fight, must fight for the gospel. We must fight for the gospel. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we want to uh, close out the book with verse 18 uh, through 20. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. God's word says, This charge I commit unto thee, son, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou be, or that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. If you would look at verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Sermon entitled, We Must Fight for the Gospel. Uh, some three weeks ago, we began a series of sermons in 1 Timothy. The book, if you remember, was written by the Apostle Paul to a young preacher uh, who had a struggling church. And Paul began to inform Timothy in chapter 1 how the gospel forms uh, who we are, kind of identifies who we are, and then what we believe, and then what we are to do as a church, as a congregation of believers. And so in chapter 1, Paul tells Timothy that our first consideration, our first duty, our first responsibility is to hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we must guard the gospel. And so in verses 3 through 11, he speaks about guarding the gospel. If we lose the gospel, he tells Timothy, if we lose the gospel, we lose everything. We lose who we are, we lose what we believe, we, we lose what we are to do. Now, if you remember, there were some false teachers that came into the church at Ephesus, and they began to teach different types of myths and, and fables and genealogies, things that were not found in the Scripture. And so to guard the gospel, the first thing we have to remember is that we don't add to the gospel. We don't add to the Word of God. And then he warned them not to depend just on the Word of God for their salvation. Not only do we... We're not to add to the gospel, add to the word, add to the law, but we're not to depend just solely upon the law in order to be saved. They were teaching that if you'll just obey the law, do what the law says, do what the law commands, then you would find favor with God. And if you'll just do, 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 and do, then perhaps you might have salvation. And he says, listen, we must guard the gospel and we, we must use it not unwisely but we're to use it wise we're not to add to it and we're not to depend solely upon it for our salvation so guard the gospel in that way and then we talked last week about celebrating the gospel and we celebrate the gospel because of the incarnation 
of Jesus Christ. Next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating the first Sunday of Advent. That word Advent means the coming. So we're going to look next Sunday at the coming of the Lord Jesus as we begin the first Sunday of Advent. We'll celebrate the Advent season the first Sunday through the Sunday prior to Christmas as we look forward to celebrating the coming of the Lord. And so Jesus Christ, we, we celebrate the, co- the gospel because the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Jesus wrapped himself, the Son of God, wrapped himself in human flesh and came to earth, born of a virgin, was born in Bethlehem. Now, why did he do that? Well, to live a life that we could not live, to die death that we deserve, and then to rise victorious over the enemies that we could not conquer, and those enemies being sin and death. And Paul began to share his own personal testimony. And we come to verse 15, and there he just gives a concise definition of the gospel. You'll notice verse 15, he says in chapter 1, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's just a concise definition of what the gospel is. And so we celebrate the gospel because it's incarnational. Jesus Christ came from heaven. He came to earth to die on the cross a death that we deserved. He was buried. He arose again, became victorious, uh, conquered two, uh, two enemies that we could not conquer, that being sin, that being death, and you could add the grave. And so we're to celebrate the gospel because of the incarnation and then because the gospel is personal and it is universal. If you'll notice there in verse 15, he says, This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So he said that he was a chief sinner. So being the chief sinner, there had to be some below him, and that's us. So the gospel was, the gospel was for, uh, came into the world for Paul. Christ came into the world for Paul. The gospel was for Paul, and Christ came into the world for all. The gospel is for all. The gospel was for Paul, the chiefest sinner. The gospel is for all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we celebrate the gospel because of the incarnation and because it's personal, it's universal. And then he closes with a doxology. If you remember last week, look at verse 17. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and forever. Amen. He says, he shares his testimony, he's thanking God for his salvation and saving him, offering him mercy as being a chief sinner. And then he breaks out into a doxology, thanking the king eternal, the king eternal, the king of all ages, having no beginning, having no ending. Uh, thanking the king immortal, uh, imperishable, never, know, never will know death, never will know Decayed, never will know loss. That's who Jesus is. That describes him. And then he uses another word, invisible. And so he's invisible. He, he reveals himself. He reveals his, his uh, existence. He is the one that reveals himself. He's revealed himself through creation. He's revealed himself through his son, Jesus. And he reveals himself through the word of God. And then he says to be honor and glory forever and forever and forever. And so we are to, chapter 1, we are to guard the gospel, we are to celebrate the gospel. And that brings us up to today. 
Today, we are to fight for the gospel. Fight for the gospel. Now, without a doubt, God has called his followers to a life of love and peace and joy and communing with him and communing with each other. It's a great life to be a Christian. It is to be a life of love and peace and joy and communion. But you know, there's another side of Christianity that you you don't hear much of. There's another side, and that side is that the Christian is also in a warfare. We're in a warfare. When we got saved, we volunteered to be in the army of Jesus Christ. Now, when you ask Christ to come into your life and save you, you volunteer to be in his army. Uh, Judy sings a song with her kindergarten class. And the words are like this. They go this way. Uh, I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy. But I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. So when we received Jesus Christ, we entered a lifelong battle against an evil world system, against uh, the devil, Satan himself, and against the flesh. All of us who are believers today are in a warfare. Now, the problem is so many Christians today have missed the reality of spiritual warfare. We very seldom ever talk about being in a spiritual war. You very seldom hear spiritual warfare preached. And so we've missed the reality of spiritual warfare. We, for the most part, many have just prayed a prayer, uh, been baptized, and just waiting to go to heaven. We're not thinking about the spiritual war we're in. They don't understand, Christians, many Christians don't understand the spiritual struggle involved in in loving Jesus and serving Jesus. Their, Their major problems are just petty annoyances of everyday life. We think of problems like our house is not big enough and our car is too old and we need a new car or we can't afford daycare or my son didn't make the travel ball team or my daughter didn't get picked for cheerleader. I can't afford an iPhone 8 and it's, it's either too hot in the church, it's either too cold in the church. Really? Is, is that our biggest, are those our biggest concerns? When you begin to think about being in a spiritual war and those are our concerns, those are our major concerns, while at the same time, Ourselves, our spouse, our children, our family are just being attacked day after day by by an evil world system, by Satan, by the flesh. And we're physically and spiritually being attacked, trying to be destroyed. Uh, Satan's trying to destroy you, trying to destroy me, trying to destroy our spouse, our children, our parents, our homes, our families. We're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual war. So the point is, we're in a spiritual battle for the gospel. Look at verse 18. He says in verse 18, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war 
a good warfare. Paul's saying, Pastor Timothy, Pastor Sammy, Mountain View Baptist Church, you must engage in a battle for the sake of the gospel. You must engage in battle for the sake of the truth. And so Timothy had a responsibility to the Lord. And first of all, he says, discharge. That word charge, some translations have the word command, discharge. This command is, first of all, it's for you to obey. This charge, Timothy, this charge, verse 18, this charge, the word charge means a command. It has a military uh, definition in that it's not to be discussed. It's not to be, uh, you're not, it's not up for discussion, but it's a mandate. It's to be carried out. Paul was giving Timothy a charge. He was giving him somewhat like a military order. You're not to, I'm not to discuss it with you. I'm not to mince words with you. You just need to carry this out. So there is a command to obey Timothy, and then there's a commission to fulfill. Notice he says, this charge I commit to you. Some translations have, I entrust this to you. I entrust this to you. The word commit, the word entrust is a word that speaks of putting something of value in a bank. You know, we go to the bank. You may go once a month. You may go uh, uh, every week. I don't know, but you take your valuables. You take your, your money. You make a deposit, and you put it somewhere. You entrust it to the bank, perhaps valuables, papers, and, and jewelry, and whatever. But you take it, and you, you put it in trust to that bank. So Paul has given Timothy a valuable deposit. He says, Timothy, I want to, I'm putting this, this command is for you to, to commit to, to, I'm entrusting this to you. So he handed down to Timothy that same glorious gospel that had been handed down to him. Look at verse 11, chapter 1. He says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So Paul had been entrusted with the gospel, this glorious gospel of Christ, this so valuable gospel that now he commits it to Timothy and he's passed it down through the centuries till it's been committed to us. It's been committed to me, it's been committed to you, entrusted to you, entrusted to me, entrusted to our congregation to guard against it, to protect it, to make sure that that uh, it's protected and it's guarded against, and we're to fight to keep it. We're to wage a warfare. That's how important the gospel is. That's how important the word of God is. And so Timothy, he had a he had a charge. He had a command to obey. He had a commission to fulfill. It had been entrusted to him, committed to him, and then he had a he had a uh, confirmation to live up to prophecies concerning him. Do you notice that? Look at verse 18. He says, This charge commit or entrust unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them might war a good warfare. These prophecies concerning you, Timothy. You know, prophecies in the New Testament spoke of a revelation of God's will to the church in the New Testament. Prophecies... Uh, prophecy is a gift of proclaiming God's word. Uh, we don't have the gift of prophecy as found in the Old Testament, but we have the gift of prophecy as it's found in the New Testament in proclaiming God's word. 
And so unlike present-day preachers, in the New Testament, occasionally they received a divine revelation from God calling them into ministry. I've been called into ministry, but not through a divine revelation. You remember Paul's call into ministry? Remember that divine revelation with Paul? And so Timothy had had a series of prophecies prophesied in his, on his life that Paul knew that he was called of God. Timothy, by previous prophecies, it's those prophecies that supernaturally and, and specifically call Timothy into ministry. So here's the point. You, Timothy, and Brother Sammy, and others who have been called by God to, to salvation, having this call, having this command to obey, and having a commission to be entrusted with, with the gospel, and having a confirmation to live up to what you've been gifted by God. Timothy, you can't quit. You can't give up. You have to wage a good warfare. You have to fight for the gospel. And that's what he tells us today. As a pastor, I've been called by God to protect and to defend and, and war against those that would want to bring harm to the gospel. You know, this morning about, I jotted the time down, at 7.52 I received a text from a dear friend, Steve Sellers. And Steve, every Sunday morning around 6 or 5 a.m., somewhere along in there, Steve sends me just a text to encourage me. Others do that too. And this is simply what he said in this text. He says, thank you for always advancing in Christ and never retreating, never retreating. You see, we're in a warfare. We're marching forward as a church and individual Christians for the gospel. We're to protect the gospel. We're to guard against those that want to bring harm to the gospel. So he closes in verse 19 and 20, and he gives an example of those that uh, wavered from the gospel. He says, Hold in faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, they've made shipwreck of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So he closes out in verse 19 and 20, and he gives an example of Hymenaeus and Alexander, whose faith had been shipwrecked. Now how was their faith shipwrecked? Because they had wavered from the word. They had wavered from the gospel. They'd been teaching, they'd been uh, uh, teaching things that were added to the gospel, added to the word of God, added to the law. They'd been delivered over to Satan by Paul. What does that mean, Brother Sammy? Well, they'd been excommunicated from the church and how they treated the gospel. They'd been put out of the church. They'd been put out of the church. And the reason that they were put out of the church and handed over to Satan, you know, you have... You have a lot of protection in being in the church by being with God's people. And once you're separated from God's people, put back out into the world, so to speak, then God will chastise that person who has wavered from the word. You know, don't, don't think for a moment that you can waver from the word. They had blasphemed God. They had uh, blasphemed God. The word blaspheme means they slandered God. They misrepresented the word of God. They misrepresented the gospel. They misrepresented the divine truth. 
That's blasphemy. And it's real serious. It's a serious thing to add to the word. It's a serious thing to waver from the teachings of the Holy Scriptures. Very serious. And I'm afraid that a lot of people today have wavered from the word. They have justified their actions from being disobedient to the word of God. The big question, big question, Paul said that we must fight for the gospel. We must fight for the gospel. And and when I saw that, I thought, well, how do we do that? I'm going to give you two ways as we close. The way we fight for the gospel, we fight for the gospel in our lives. We fight for the gospel in our lives. Now, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are in a spiritual war in our lives. We're at a spiritual war in our marriages. I don't know about your marriage, but some of you here today, others who are not here, their marriages may be being attacked today or in the past. We're at a spiritual war in our marriage. We're at a spiritual war in our families. Our teenagers are in spiritual war in school. And so we have to understand, we better understand that spiritual forces in heavenly realms are active and are waging war against our souls. Bible speaks of this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Do we have that? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. We're in a war against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we have to understand today that we're in a war. We're, our families are in a war. Our, children's are in a, our children are in a war. Our homes are in, in a war. And it's just not with flesh and blood, but it's through spiritual powers. Today, you may be in war, and you've just realized, hey, man, I'm in, a major, I'm in the middle of a major spiritual conflict right now with a spouse or with my children or with my parents or at school. You see, the devil and all of his minions will entice you with deception. They will incite you with division. They'll cause you to be slack. Those, those evil powers will cause you to be slackers in, uh, in your service. They'll cause you to be slackers in your faith. They'll cause you to be a slacker in your church. They'll ca- cause you to be a slacker in your Bible study. They are attacking people every day. Christians, and soon uh, you'll be missing church, and soon you'll be leaving church, and why is that? Well, because uh, those uh, spiritual powers in high places, they, they don't want the glorious gospel to resound in and through your life, and those powers will do everything, everything to tear you down, your family, your marriage, your, uh, your children, whatever it might be. So there's a spiritual war going on. Uh, you're at war. I'm at war. And so we need to fight fight for the gospel in our lives. And jot this down, if you will. We need to fight for the gospel in our church. Paul talked about Hymenaeus and Alexander. Some believe that they were spiritual leaders in the church. Some believe they were elders or pastors or teachers or deacons. That they had this spiritual leadership role in the church. The point is this with those two, um, anyone can waver from the gospel, from the truth, from the word of God, if you're not careful. You have to be careful because they were excommunicated from the church. 
They were put out of the church to show that they were separated from Christ, that they had left Christ. They'd left the teachings of the Holy Scripture. And so Paul was essentially telling Timothy, there'll be times where you and the church will need to take severe measures to fight for the gospel. And we've had to do that here in this church in, in years past, even prior before my coming, years and years and years ago. Uh, they had to fight for the sake of the gospel. We had some preachers that were asked to leave. I say some, a couple that I know of, simply because they really didn't preach what our leadership felt like they should have preached here in this church. They had wavered from the gospel. So in closing, let me ask you a question. First, let me make a statement. Whatever you do, hold on to the gospel. It's the only thing that unites us as believers in this church. It's the only thing that sustains people, the people of God, when you're going through a difficult time. It's the gospel. And so we're to guard it, we're to celebrate it, and we're to fight for it. We have to fight for the gospel. I remember a song that we sang years ago. We probably still need to sing it from time to time. And the title of this song, you'll remember it. The title of it is Keep on the Firing Line. You remember that song? If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die fighting, it is no disgrace. Coward in the service, he will find no place. Keep on the firing line. God will only use the soldier he can trust. Keep on the firing line. If you wear a crown, then bear the cross. You must keep on the firing line. Life is but to labor for the master dear. Help to banish evil and to spread good cheer. Great you'll be rewarded for your service here if you keep on the firing line. When you get to heaven, brother, we'll be glad. Keep on the firing line. How we'll praise the Savior for the call we had. Keep on the firing line. When we see the souls that we've helped to win, leading them to Jesus from the paths of sin, with a shout of welcome, we'll all march in. Keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor, evil, nor even lag behind. Goes on to say, if you would win for God and the right, you must keep on the firing line. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. And so don't be so naive to think that your major problems are some of those that I mentioned. The major problem you and I have as a Christian is that we're being attacked every day by the devil and all of his minions to bring us down, our home, our children, our church, or whatever it, it is that pertains uh, to God. So we need to keep on the firing line. Let's uh, bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word as we've opened and gone through this first chapter of first timothy thank you for reminding us that we're to guard the gospel lord that we're to celebrate the gospel and lord we're to fight for the gospel and so today i pray that you've spoken to our hearts to let us realize and know that we're in a spiritual battle and lord when we're saved we enroll in your army 
We are soldiers, Lord. We're, we're Christian soldiers marching, Father, for you and your army. And so we pray for each person here that are, who are believers that who've realized that, that we have a war to fight, and that is to, to fight for the gospel. I pray for each person here this morning, Lord, for those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. And I pray today that those who have never been saved, Lord, would come during this invitation and give their heart and their life to you. Thank you for what you're going to do today as your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Mike's going to lead us in a familiar hymn, Just As I Am. But let me ask you a question this morning. Have you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Have you put your faith and trust in